Hey there, everybody. This is Kevin, just popping in before the episode this week to let you know that this episode was recorded ahead of time. Uh, we usually record on Sundays, but this week Benedict was actually finally moving into his new place, so we recorded the weekend before. And that also means that when we recorded this episode, recent events had not yet occurred, and the world wasn't worried about World War III. Um, we don't usually talk about current events on this show, except sort of in passing. We used to have another entire podcast where we did that, but, you know, I think somewhere along the way we realized the world didn't really need another two white guys recording their hot takes as though anybody did or should care about them. Um, but right now, I think the world and myself personally are certainly dealing with the emotional toll of seeing all this tragedy go on while not really having any ability to affect the outcome. And I know for me, in between tweeting at official Russian government accounts to go back to fucking their mothers, the realization that I'm powerless in any real sense to do anything about what's happening in Ukraine has brought on some genuine depression for me. I know that living in my little weird quarter of the internet and reality that I do, even though I spend far more time than is healthy researching the worst people in the world, it's still incredibly damaging to see their wishes play out and, you know... Putin's fascist takeover play is exactly what the far right has been supporting publicly until it becomes too toxic even to their brand, and even then they're still supporting it behind the scenes. I also know we have some listeners in Eastern and Northern Europe who may have extra reason to be worried about the way things are going, and we do want all of you to know that we care, and we want to do everything we can, even if it's painfully inadequate. So this month we'll be giving all the Patreon money to the International Red Cross, We'll be dealing with the fallout of this war no matter how long it goes or how it ends. And I'll be making a similar donation to the World Central Kitchen, who, among all the other good they do, are already on the ground in Poland, feeding refugees as they come across the border. And I want to encourage anyone who can, if they can, to donate to causes that will help um, with the the fallout from the invasion uh, and the Ukrainians who will be suffering because of it. And if it helps encourage you to do so, anyone who makes a donation of any size, from a dollar to a million... Uh, to any cause that supports refugees or Ukraine or anything of the sort, I will induct you into the spooky world, new world order, blah. If you just send me some sort of proof, or, you know, hell, you could probably just lie to me and I'll say you're in the spooky world, new world order anyways. It doesn't really matter. Um, and I just want to finish by saying that we really do appreciate all of you who listen. You know, Benedict and I really only do this show for fun. We both have stable careers and no illusions about needing or being able to make serious money from this podcast or about being famous in some sort of way. Um, it really is just my own form of therapy where I get to sit down and talk to my best friend for an hour or so a week. And knowing that we built a small community over the years that likes to hang out with us just makes it all that much better. So take care of yourself in the coming weeks and months and do what you need to do to get by. And for myself and Benedict, thank all of you for all that you do for us. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the Can Eat More. I'm getting this book on UFOs. You know they're real, but there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello, 
and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Because, silly rabbit, it's not just for kids anymore. <laughs> my name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, the world's foremost tap water connoisseur. Mm. Benedict, what's your Fanta? My what? Your Fanta. My Fanta? Don't you want a Fanta? No, what? <laughs> Orangina, the French version. <laughs> I don't know. What, what's happening here? What? Fanta did an ad campaign in the uh, early 2000s, which is, what's your Fanta? Surely the uh, answer they want people to give and is And the, the point of the Fanta. question was to get after which uh, fruit flavoring is your preferred oh, carbonated beverage. I see, I see, I see. Of the general but you're orange, grape, lemon. Fanta. Don't you like fruit soda of some kind? Yeah, orangina. It's delicious. Oh, okay, I don't know. Well, Fanta, it's a Nazi your, soda. I like I like the lemon. If I'm in uh, if I'm in Spain, which is the only place I have ever drunk Fanta, to be honest with you. Um, I, oh, I, not I, surprising that a former fascist <laughs> country would like Fanta. I like fun, uh, a, a cheeky Fanta limon. Is uh, a I lemon, think Fanta's lemon also Fanta. big in Mexico. I don't remember. I think it's I think it's no big there. So maybe that's just my impression. Wrong impression for some reason. I have mm. no idea why. Uh, I like great orange. I'm all about the orange. Sorry, it's, did it's you say great orange? Ah, girl, orange, orange. You mix a like a quarter grape to okay. uh, one part grape, three parts orange. You grow orange. That's how that works. That's what gotcha. it is. Gotcha, gotcha. Anyways, Benedict, you probably know all about Fanta, but some of our listeners probably don't know that <laughs> this is the show where we go deep. Some might say deep, deep, deep. Some might. And learn that Fanta was a Nazi soda. It's not a joke. It's actually a Nazi soda. Okay, can you explain uh, that to me? Because you keep saying it, and I was going to let it slide, but I need, <laughs> you to, I need you to explain it to me. Fanta was actually, uh, okay, because they couldn't get Coca-Cola syrup during World War II. Oh, okay. Uh, the Nazis created Fanta. That's, oh. That's, that's literally the origin of Fanta. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a real thing. So it's a Nazi soda. And then cool. afterwards, they just kept making it. Not... Buried it 10 feet deep like you should. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, plumb the depths, right wing thought, reviewing chapter, work on fiction in between, take a look at other examples, read the right, make a hate, make a hate again. Benedict. Cool. You have a hot take for us this week. Yeah, it's that American soda is garbage <laughs> in comparison with, with superior European sodas. Is there, okay, don't you have mostly the same sodas? Yeah, but the, it's different. So, like, in the in Europe, we have, like, the, like, so, you know, like, Mexican Coke. Like, that's European. Real Coke, sugar, so. as yeah. I've been told. Exactly. So, uh, it tastes the same. It tastes it the fucking same. It does not taste the same. You're insane. It tastes the same. You're an absolute. No, it does not taste the same. Um, but anyway, yeah, Amer- American soda, despite being the leading purveyor of soda around the world and the inventor of soda, they have worse soda than most of the world. That's you know what tastes the same everywhere, Benedict? Coke Water. fucking zero. Tastes yeah. the fucking same everywhere. I'm sure that's true, actually. Because <laughs> there's no sugar, there's no real sugar, so. Yeah! <laughs> there you go. Um, d- for, for the true connoisseurs, Diet Coke tastes better than normal Coke. Ooh. What Ooh. are you talking Ooh. about? Ooh. Fucking <laughs> really crazy person. Throwing a cat amongst the pigeons there. What's your hot take? We're, you're just saying that because we're both 30 years old now and have to think about <laughs> what the fuck we eat. God damn yeah, it. that's right. Uh, Benedict, Soylent is neither original nor a good idea. Okay, it's tell fucking me. trash. Okay. Uh, I got like a sample. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? That the, the stuff really, came out a couple like years a ago. Protein thing. No, it's so it looks like protein powder and it's eaten like protein powder, but it's just like supposedly a balanced nutrition thing with no flavor. 
that like oh. you could you could just live off Soylent is the idea. I don't know if it's actually true or not because it has all the stuff you need, right? That's okay. that's the whole Why idea. Why would you want it. that? We'd love to take the joy right. out of cooking. No, it's it's awful. It's awful. Uh, I got a sample of it recently and tried it, and it's fucking. It was like vanilla flavored, and it's fucking garbage. Okay. And apparently, there's an unflavored version that was like the original thing, which so, is. But it's not like like it's not like tofu. It's like no, it's just like a powder you mix with water, and it's bad it's Listen really bad. And it's like my face which is the disadvantage of a podcast, right? <laughs> and like a but face. it's not a good idea and there's so many of these things that come up and like okay this is not an original idea this is awful and people are trying to make it a thing also, with, with crafty don't marketing call things soylent right no like no so soylent is yeah really that was famously, probably the worst <laughs> yeah worst part really of it. famously what people like were tricked into eating people and so it's green. people yes yeah. yes so yeah it was a bad idea sim- simply don't call it so well, i mean I guess that's it's a marketing trick right that's, that's why when it came out a couple years ago people like it, it made a little bit of a buzz and people bought it right because they went with soy and so in that sense people were like hey maybe i'll accidentally eat a person and, in that uh, sense it I was a be, good idea yeah, yeah but fuck this stuff and also, like, you know, I twi- I texted to you the other day and tweeted that there is a new Juicero, uh-huh. and its name and its name is Tovala, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's God, just a, all about Juicero. But it, it's just a toaster oven. Yeah. It's just a toaster oven that you order like subscription food, and then you put it in the Tovala toaster oven. Oh, right. but Benedict. The Tavala oven has a scan and barcode on it, so it scans it, and then it just knows how long to cook, so you don't have to push any buttons. Mm. It's just a toaster oven! Yeah. It's a simply, toaster Simply allow people to push <laughs> buttons. Like, I don't need this level of tech in my life where it's like, you don't know how long to cook this for, idiot. Like, I don't need to be insulted by my toaster oven. But, but Ben, it's, it's even... Because you remember the thing with Juicero, right? The whole thing was, yeah. oh, you can just squeeze the thing you and juice comes out. You can just squeeze the pouch. Yeah. I can just put this in a regular oven. I know. And the food will come out. It's I the same. I, I it's understand. It's the same. I understand. <laughs> I love it so much. Anyways, Benedict, everyone, go buy a Tovala. Don't do that. <laughs> To be fair, I think it might actually be a steam toaster oven, which, okay, that's slightly better than a toaster oven, but still, the whole gimmick is, like, the uh, subscription food part of it, where, like, you order mm-hmm. these meals, and they're just, they just come, and you put them in your fridge, and then you put them in the, the thing, and it cooks. That's it. That's all it fucking is. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Benedict, what's on your bookshelf this week? Uh, this week, uh, Mike Duncan's Lafayette biography. Hero mm. of Two Worlds. Lafayette, which, Lafayette. Yeah, which I've been meaning to get around to for a while, uh, but haven't. Um, and yeah, it's good. I just started it, but it's good. I like Mike Duncan. He's a history podcaster. I'm sure everyone that listens to this show is aware of Mike Duncan. Lafayette. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I saw you cupping your hands and I had to pause to allow You're not going to be able to say it without me trying to do my audition. Yeah. <laughs> for, for Hamilton. Yeah, for Hamilton. Now you have to do the really fast, really fast talking for your. Uh, no. <laughs> for no, the guns, I can't do the it. Guns and ships I can't rap. do it. I can't um, do it. So no. Anyway, I just started it. He's a yeah history podcaster who has written two books now. They're both really good. Uh, There's Storm Before the Storm, which is about the late Roman Republic. Quite uh, transfers quite nicely onto our times, I would say. Uh, and then this about Lafayette in America and oh, France. Benedict, did you really just do a We're Living in the Fall of Rome? No, did I you? did a no, no, no. I did a. We are living in the fall of the Repo- Roman Republic, which uh-huh. is different. 
shame. Fie no, and shame no, no, upon it, you, that's you hipster douche. It's different. It's different. Because it's not barbarians at the gates. It's the system, it's the system is destroying itself from the inside. Which I is hate the correct everyone shame. who ever brings up Rome ever. That's okay. my thing, Ben. But our system is modeled on Rome. <laughs> you fuck yourself. Go no. fuck yourself. Okay. All right. Well, what's your bookshelf then? My and bookshelf. Don't you dare say anything other than a book. Nah, it's not a fucking book. Go fuck it's yourself. This week, book. Horizon Forbidden West sequel okay. to one of the best games of the last decade, Horizon Zero Dawn. It is finally out. I am spending all of my, even though like last week I said, uh, and by the way, just so you know, we're recording mm-hmm. three episodes back to back today because yeah. Ben is moving next weekend, so we have a bunch of stuff. Um, it that we're, I mean, I like. 45 minutes ago talked about whatever I'm referencing right now, mm-hmm. but um, it's a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, I know I said I was going to be getting deep into PC gaming, but first I have to finish this game because it's so fucking good. It's amazing. It's, it's, I only have a PS4, so I don't get the PS5 graphics and all the everything's talking about uh, a bunch of incels online, not understanding that women have peach fuzz on their faces, all that fun part about it. Um, but the game's just, God, the gameplay is so good. It's just so good. There's something about the bow and arrow and the different types of arrows and getting to destroy these machines. It's just so much fun. It's okay. such a good game. And the, the the world it exists in, going to the West now where everything's lush and green, it's so beautiful. I, I love this game so much. It's really incredible. If you haven't played the first one, you need to get that and you need to finish it. And then you need to get Horizon Forbidden West and need to play that. And I'm going to be playing this like nonstop every spare moment I have for the next couple weeks. Just playing through Horizon Forbidden West. I'm I'm not going to be able to get off it. It's so damn good. Okay. But anyways, Benedict. Mm hmm. Housekeeping. Remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Follow us on the socials at NYGBCPod on Twitter and at NYGBCBen because he got it wrong. Uh, As I mentioned, I should say, uh, we're recording this ahead of time, so we don't have any Spooky World New World orders for this week, um, except for you. That's right, you. (laughs) I'm I'm talking to you. This podcast brought to you by you. You are part of our New World Spooky World Order, this is like nice. when Time Magazine did the person no. of the year. As, <laughs> the ma- yeah, uh, the mirror. <laughs> all of you. That's this exactly what it is. is That's exactly same. what it is. Uh, but if you'd like to be part of our Spooky World New World Order, uh, tweet, post about the show on social media, recommending us to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can and drop me a screenshot to let me know. Become a patron or just get my attention with something good. One other thing, Benedict before we get into it for today. And that is, of course, that our patron-only bonus episode. By the time you hear this episode, will be up and available because I'm going to get it out before the end of February, as usual. Yeah. Uh, and this episode comes out two weeks from now. I don't know. Math. This will want to be... Yeah, this episode will come out in March. March. This is the first yeah. week of March. So it'll be I haven't looked at a calendar, so we'll... But uh, patron-only bonus episode, the first part of our review of The Conscience of a Conservative by L. Brent Bozell and given to Barry Goldwater for his approval. Uh, It will be available, so you can go check that out, become a patron. Fun, fun, fun stuff. Benedict, what's not so fun Mm. is beginning our book review of American Marxism. I think I made more involuntary noises (laughs) reading this than I have any of these books. Yes, Benedict, this week we begin our review of American Marxism by Mark Levin, the founding member of the Lord Ha Ha Mark Levin. Famously. Levin, fuck. Yeah. That's right. That's Thanks. right. Thank uh, you to patron Allison for pointing out yes. Kevin's poor pronunciation. 
you know, I have a standing rule that I get to pronounce assholes names. Yeah, but now you've I been want. corrected, so we have. Yeah, to I know, and that makes it more difficult for me to claim <laughs> ignorance about it, which is, which is rude. Uh, yeah. but yes, Mark no, Levin. Thank you, Allison. And my great Lord Haha joke, Benedict. What did we read this week? Well, Kevin, this week we read the first chapter of Mark Levin's American Marxism, in which Mark Levin unhinges his whole jaw <laughs> and just vomits screed onto the page. I like I like the image. I, I do like the image. Thank you. But Jesus Christ. I will say it's called the sorry, outset, the chapter is called It's Here, by the way. It's here. It's here. That's the in a book called American Marxism. So yeah. that you can figure that one out. Yeah. But I will say at the outset, at least he was not delusional enough to think that this book deserved an intro or a four no, right. <laughs> because <laughs> i was like wait this is just the intro and it's chapter one what it was the strangest thing to me where i go directly from the table of contents flip the page chapter one holy shit yeah, there's nothing there's nothing before no. it I, that because we've no never had that before no nothing yeah no not even a dedication this man hates his family <laughs> that was so strange Usually we get a thank you to my lovely wife who's supported me, blah, blah. And I'm just now flipping to the end to see if we get that, um, you know, sort of afterward. And no, Benedict, there's nothing. No. There, okay. All right. There is uh, page 277, a picture of a dog and the words, in loving memory of Barney Levin. Oh. So. Levin. Okay. Get it Le- fucking Fuck. right. God damn it. <laughs> but apparently this whole book is for the dog. I can't. Uh, it I does mean, look like a cute, cute dog. dog. Yeah. It's a cute dog. But Benedict, do you have an alternate chapter title for I us this do. week? I do. It's uh, Capitalists of the World Unite. <laughs> it's not far off from what yeah, he decided. I think that's, I think, well, yeah. I mean, I think his is worse, though. Yeah. Uh, mine, Benedict, is The Call is Coming from Inside the Tinfoil Hat. <laughs> okay. And this chapter begins, quote, the counter-revolution to the American Revolution is in full force. Oh, fuck. I almost it's forgot. It's so bad. It's Before so we get started. No, Ben, I have a clip for you. I have a okay, clip for you go, of Mark Lovin. Okay, okay. Lovin. I have a clip for you of him okay, this week. Sorry, it sounds way too close to Muck Lovin now. It's, it's, <laughs> I know, right? That's what I kept thinking. <laughs> Can we call him Muck Lovin? Yeah, you know what? Mc, McLovin was a more heroic figure, though. Yeah, that's if we're going to be honest about it. <laughs> Uh, so, Benedict, I have a clip for you. I remember I promised that I was going to do clips of, of Mark Levin uh, okay. before each episode, and I have one for you. This is from That's last good. week, okay. oh, uh, wow. February okay, 16th, this okay. one comes from, uh, and here we go. Is it a game show? It sounds like a game show. It's the intro music. Okay. It's not a bad version of Get Ready, Because Here I Come. It's not a bad version. Okay. I, I've heard worse. Remember Louise Gutierrez? Sorry? The former congressman from Chicago. Okay. Remember him? Whatever happened to him? Well, he's back. They dug him up. He's on MSLSD today. Excuse me? How much longer can CNN and MSLSD survive? Does anybody- By the way, he says that every time. He never just says MSNBC. He says MSLSD. He's it every time. What is that? Every fucking what, time. Why, why though? Because conservative ideology uh, is that unclear. is that funny sounding words are strength. I don't know. Don't ask me. Okay. Anybody know? 
Does anybody know? I think, you know, cable is getting weaker and weaker, but these two networks are really wasted carbon footprints. And nobody, I mean, effectively, nobody's watching them. We have a nation of 330 million people. MSNBC, by the way, is the number two most watched uh, cable news network as of right now in the country. Yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah. so he's aware. I mean, Fox is Fox is ahead of the pack, like right, and that, pack, but that's but... the the consolidation effect, right? Because there's only yeah. one source for far right skewed news bullshit. That's not true anymore. Or, well, O-A-N-N. not anymore, yeah. but only one of I will at least say Fox has like quality, as in like production value. Because if you watch Newsmax and the other shit out there, it's Woof! It's rough. Well, it's they took really, away really and then off the uh, off. Which yeah, so you don't even have that anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, they tout this morning schmo show, which on a good day has a demo of two hundred thousand. <laughs> Everyone gets a nickname. It's just, that's his thing. Everyone okay, gets well, a nickname. Well, then he nickname. can be McLovin. Then let's go. Let's. <laughs> we have many more homeless people than we have people watching. Okay. Scarborough. So and the shouldn't missus. we do something about that instead of talking anyway, about fucking? Gutierrez, and when you listen to Gutierrez, you're going to know... Why is he doing that? ...that even now, with massive illegal immigration, the border's wide open. The border is not wide open, I promise People you. coming in from all over the world, not just Central and South America. What? Well, God knows what intentions. God knows what kind of diseases or illnesses. Okay, so this is that, insane. That's, that's why supremacist talking points, right? This is that's, insane. <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing about, you know, immigrants bringing disease, that's long-standing white supremacist talking points. Also, the Gutierrez thing, I, I don't know. I assume at some point in the past, he decided that Luis Gutierrez was someone he would like attack a, mariachi a lot, and he came vibe. up with a thing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe that's just one of the things, because he does that, like, literally, again. he's so lacking in actual substance. Like, like I've said before, like, it's just all about personal attacks and fun nicknames, because that's yeah. that's what they have. Which is what Trump did, also. That it's the not Trump enough model. to Luis Gutierrez. It's just not enough. Why? Because Luis Gutierrez... Stop it. Oh, my God. Like I so absolutely... many others hate America. Okay. They hate, quote-unquote, white people. No. With, quote-unquote, European heritage. No. It just is true. Just listen to them. It's Just listen true. to them. Read Media Matters. Read Media or don't. Okay, should we or should we not? Yeah. Do it Do it or don't. You just told me both. Yeah. You can't tell me both. No. Read the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. <laughs> okay. Again, Benedict, I am not exaggerating. I am dying. Everything gets a nickname. Honestly, Everything like, gets a nickname. Come on. It's like, it's fucking, <laughs> uh, I cannot even cope with this. It's too much. So they support critical race theory and lack crit and all the rest that I've written about extensively. I'm what? Here he is. Cut three, go. And so what we are saying is we're happy you're fighting for more COVID-19 relief. But guess who's dying in the meatpacking plants today? Guess who's in jail dying because of COVID-19? Must be immigrants. Must be. Not Americans. Americans don't do anything. What? American workers don't do anything, ladies and gentlemen. It's the newly minted immigrant who comes across the border. By the way, uh, Luis Gutierrez, if you've noticed there, didn't say anything about immigrants. No, but also, like, like, Latino Americans 
exist. Do yeah. Overwhelmingly fill Well, those no, sorts but also exist and are American. So, like, what yeah, are you absolutely. like? Absolutely. Yeah. Ab- ab- I, I don't know the full quote because I don't think he ever ends up playing the full thing that Gutierrez says. Bizarre. But it, yeah, of course, Levin's, Levin's mind uh, goes immediately to racism. Yep. Gets immediate welfare, immediate food stamps, immediate. Not true at all. You, I, I can promise you, as someone who came here, you do not get any support from the state at all. In oh, fact, but Benedict, people have to sign. People have to sign Benedict, affidavits. You didn't. You didn't sneak across the southern oh, border, true. so you yeah, don't get much that stuff for to free deal immediately. With the fucking state when you when you are undocumented. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we all know that to be true. Ridiculous. Lawyers. What? They're the- <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers. You know what? Uh, that that's it. That's the, that's that the tweet. The ones suffering in America, dying in the meat plants, don't you see? Which is what? why they're coming in droves. What? We know this to be true because Luis Gutierrez says so. Go ahead. Okay, no, the go ahead. That's the drop. Go ahead is the drop I'm pulling. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, that's our clip for today. Oh, God. Is that not intolerable bullshit? Uh, insane. <laughs> that is fucking nuts. Insane. This man is crazy. But Benedict, back to our chapter. Fun's fun's out of the way. Now oh, we have great. to do the hard work. I'm so glad. <laughs> this chapter, again, we're doing chapter one titled It's Here. It begins, quote. The counter-revolution to the American Revolution will not is be in, televised. Is in full force. Period. And it can no longer be dismissed or ignored, for it is devouring our society and culture, swirling around our everyday lives, and ubiquitous in our politics, schools, media, and entertainment. Okay, first of all, the counter-revolution to the American Revolution is a bad first sentence. Like, th- those two... Ca- <laughs> like, the counter-revolution to the majesty of 1776, whatever. Just don't say revolution twice in, like, two words. Sure, it's, yeah. yeah that always, yeah, that's always one of my things when writing, is not reusing the same word, even in the same sentence. I try and avoid it. Yeah. yeah. But also... Beginning the second sentence of your book with and, I know it's acceptable these days to use and to begin a sentence, but not the second sentence of your book after a very short sentence. Just don't, just don't do it. Just don't do it. I mean, it's fine, but it's also just way too long a sentence. Let me read it again. And it can no longer be. No, shut the fuck up. We don't want to hear it. For it is devouring our society and culture, (laughs) swirling around our everyday lives and ubiquitous in our politics, schools, media and entertainment. Yes, right. This man loves a comma, doesn't he? Loves loves it like he's Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> he <laughs> continues. Niche literature joke for you there. Continues, quote, Once a mostly unrelatable fringe and subterranean movement, it is here. It is everywhere. You, your children, your grandchildren are now immersed in it, and it threatens to destroy the greatest nation ever established, along with your freedom, family, and security. Of course... The primary difference between the counter-revolution and the American Revolution is that the former seeks to destroy American society and impose autocratic rule, and the latter sought to protect American society and institute representative government. Okay, let's unpack that. Because you mm-hmm. could argue that any revolution is trying to disturb the status quo, which is, sure. is true, I, definitely true. Forget also, the fact that there is no revolution yeah, going on. That's yes, the other yes. thing. There is no counter-revolution <laughs> currently happening. It's the thing. And certainly not one that seeks to destroy American society. Maybe yeah. it wants to destroy McLovin specifically, <laughs> but... <sighs> He's just mad that Media Matters has been paying him more attention lately. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, so he goes on, he says that he's written extensively about Marxism, blah, blah, blah. He lists off books he's written in the past. Mm-hmm. He talks about it on his radio shows. And by this point, I am already tired of his There is also, th- there's, a, there's a wonderful Buckley-esque bit of him introducing mm-hmm. his book, being yes. like, I'm not trying to add anything to the academic tradition here. <laughs> I just have a few things to get off my chest. Yes, he actually says, quote, It is not my purpose to contribute yet another long treatise to the many that exist, nor is it possible, given the focus and limitations of this book, but the application and adaption of core Marxist teachings to American society, what I call American As Marxism... As if he coined the term. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> ...must be addressed and confronted, lest we are smothered by its modern manifestations. And make, make no mistake, the situation today is dire. Also, just before the bit that you read, he listed his book, and then he went... There are also untold numbers of books written about Marxism. <laughs> Mar- Marxism. Marxism. Literally name one. I would Mark- love you to Marxism name- is the ideology that Mark uh, Levin maybe, will come yeah, up maybe, will, yeah. will lead to. I, uh, Marxism. I I would love him to name a single book about Marxism. <laughs> You know what? But that he is very write. much. Oh, oh! So, you, so you like that band from the eighties? Name one album. Name yeah, one but album. it's fine. Just oh, don't just say. Like don't say there are untold <laughs> books about Marxism because I, I don't know. believe that you've read any. Of I them. know. I know. Uh, he's talking about Dinesh D'Souza's books, mm. uh, but <laughs> he continues. In America, many Marxists cloak themselves in phrases like progressives, democratic socialists, social activists, community activists, etc. As most Americans remain openly hostile to the name Marxism, they operate under myriad new minted-up organizational or identifying nomenclatures Mm. such as Black Lives Matter, Antifa, The Squad, etc. Nomenclatures. (laughs) Very good. The Squad is an identifying nomenclature that the Marxists operate. That's on, right. Okay. Don't, don't forget. Also, okay. yeah, this motherfucker would come for MLK at the time. Don't don't you forget it. Um, I would also just, I, I would like to note, I went to the back of the book to see if there's a bibliography. Of course, there isn't a bibliography. But there are notes. There are footnotes. Yeah. And he does actually list uh, the Communist Manifesto as one of his footnotes. So I will, I will give fair, him that. That is a, a book uh, well, it's a pamphlet about Marxism. So, yeah. okay, he's got one. He lists he's Hegel, got one, too. At least. He lists Hegel, which I, okay. I'm somewhat surprised about. I so. don't believe he's actually read it. but I believe he's quoting from it without having read it. Cliff notes. Yeah, yeah. he's doing what we all did in undergrad, where it's like, oh, God, I just need Let a me quote find that a fucking fits this. Yeah, I just need Let a quote. I'll, I'll search the database for an article and then pull a sentence out of it that seems like it fits. I will say most of say. the quotes are of his own books. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he he self-quotes. I mean, in the clip I played earlier, he was talking at the very beginning about his own books. Mm-hmm. So I've talked about this in my books, etc. So there's he also, does that. There's, there's a bit where he quotes like a BBC, like clearly like an intro primer of like mm-hmm. historical figures, Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> historical figures, Mao Zedong. <laughs> historical I mean, figures, Pol Pot. <laughs> Is better than some of the citations That's we've true. gotten That's from true. people. In the, I mean, we've had people quoting like uh, what was the one like Breitbart? People citing to Breitbart. Whatever. I mean, we've just, had there's people. A, there's a whole lot of Ibid quotations. I'm pretty sure Greg Jarrett was uh, citing like Zero Hedge at one point. Like sure. we've gotten a lot of bad citations in the books we've done. So at least it's better than that, is what I'll say about it. Skipping down a ways, he continues quote. However. 
There should be no mistake that various leaders of the counter-revolution are increasingly outspoken and brazen about who they are, including bands of openly Marxist professors and activists, and they are supported by a core group of zombie-like woke followers. Yeah, I, I, and the, the thing I would say to this is I am... They, they always say this stuff without addressing it, right? So they're like, mm-hmm. all this stuff is happening and they're trying to tear down American society. Yeah. First of all, who is they? And second of all, I, I guess he kind of answers who they always is Always a problem we have. Yeah, but, th- but, well, second of all, why? Like, if American <laughs> society is so great, why are these people doing this? Well, above the portion I just read, uh, he does talk about how they, they hate that the dominant culture and capitalist system are unjust inequitable blah 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 and he sort of denies that there's any right, but inequity if that's, if or that, injustice if that's not or... true then why are these people doing this well i think that levin in for his one thing, mind in his he's mind. like Patton oswald in parks and rec who thinks that history was perfect in 1810 or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. it was and you should never question or change any of that in any way whatsoever like that's that's i think the position that levin is coming from uh even though that's completely incoherent and like a kindergartner's view of history right right like you can't move the desks around in the classroom because then i won't know where to go and sit and that would just be horrible and and distressing and i can't handle that like that's that's where he's coming from but also i think you're right on the point that like we always run into the problem in the books we do that they never say who are they they Mm -hmm. pick out certain people to criticize directly aoc right is a favorite of all these people and you know anyone to the to the left of kissinger uh, is evil and horrible and yeah. wrong. And I think it's who are they and how many of them are there? Because right. we, if, we, if we will never a, get an answer if, to that but, question. But I mean, they, they give specifics, but like, if it's a majority, then maybe you're wrong. Like, well, have we, have you thought about that? There, There's always an, a denial of them not being in the majority, of the, the yeah. far right not being the actual majority. That's why we get to things like the denial of the outcome of the 2020 election, mm-hmm. where they lost by millions of votes. They can't accept that as reality. Or even 2016, where again, they lost by millions of votes in the mm-hmm. popular vote. They just happened to win because the rules are skewed in their direction. Mm-hmm. But they can't even, even then, they had to lie and say it was a bunch of, you know, fucking illegal votes that cost them the popular vote. Because they can't accept the reality that they are not and have not, for the majority of my lifetime, been in the actual majority. Mm-hmm. They just can't accept that because like you've said so many of the arguments just do go out the window if they don't recognize if they recognize that they're they're not in the majority Mm -hmm. because then all these things about you know general majoritarian ish ideals and principles have to go you yeah, can't and it's like, them. hey, uh, capitalism is working well for most people, which we can debate on the merits. But if a majority of people don't believe that, then maybe it's wrong. Like, you know, sure. And I well, and again, that even that that position right there is a straw man, I think, of reality, because mm-hmm. I don't think that the majority of people I, I don't think that highly regulated industries and the sort of things that most people are in favor of is doing away with capitalism. I don't think that, you know, having a a society that runs similar to fucking, you know, a functional country like anywhere in Scandinavia, where there's high union membership and heavy government involvement Mm -hmm. in regulation, is socialism. Workers on boards and things like that. That's just regulated capitalism. I don't, yeah, yep. it's yeah, it's yeah. just horseshit. But to these people, of course, we know that's absolutely that's Marxism. Mm-hmm. Marxism. Re- Marxism, government regulation is Marxism. Yep. But of these people who he's talking about, the zombie-like woke followers and the Marxist professors, um, 
we know that their their calls their policies their statements that's they exhibit core Marxist dogma. Mm, that's such what that as? all is. Such as um, maybe pollution should be curtailed a bit. No, it's uh, it's such um, as banning banning memorials of Mark Twain. Oh yes. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. Re- I'm just gonna read this whole okay, paragraph because this is so outstanding. He says, "Quote: They use the tactics of propaganda and indoctrination and demand conformity and compliance, silencing contrary voices through repressive tactics such as the cancel culture, the, which the is cancel scare culture." Quotes. In quotes. It's a scare quotes for some reason. That's I don't know so why. Funny. Which destroys <laughs> reputations and careers, censoring and banning mostly patriotic and contrary viewpoints on social media, even including former President Donald Trump, who again was banned for uh, supporting the insurrection on January 6th, and attacking academic freedom, uh, you're not actually in favor of that, and intellectual exchange in higher edu- education. Indeed, they take aim at all aspects of the culture. M dash historical monuments, parenthetical, including <laughs> memorials to Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, abolitionist Frederick Douglass, and the 54th Massachusetts Black Union Regiment. So I couldn't figure out. I, 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 know I don't the, know what the Frederick Douglass one is. I really I, don't. Yeah, I, that's the one I was looking for the most. I couldn't find any. Abraham, the Abraham reference. Lincoln one was like a very paternalistic, like, uh, okay. like. Yeah, that one we talked about. Um, that was the one that I brought up. I think it was an kind of a weird statue, right? It wasn't. It was like a. It was an odd statue. Yes, and it is also. Um, I believe it's related to the fifty fourth Massachusetts Regiment one, if I remember. Okay. But anyways, that one was removed because, and again, I walked past it every day the summer I lived in Boston when I was working there, uh, and I thought many times, "Holy shit, this is." fucking weird uh and I, I kept walking past it um and, and i thought that and people got mad and they decided well not mad but they're like yeah maybe we should do something because it had a slave kneeling at abraham lincoln's feet yeah not the message you want to send no no very much not so yeah. uh and then so the the 54th regiment one i think is in reference to a memorial to robert gould shaw uh, which is also in Boston, at okay. the edge of, of Boston Common. I, I don't know what the deal was with that one. Apparently it got some uh, Fuck 12 and ACAB graffiti on it. Gotcha. I don't think anyone was attacked. I think maybe some people just didn't know what it was. George Washington owned own slaves. So, some, yeah. so, you know, people people want some some people want statues of Washington removed. I yeah, think I can make an argument for <sighs> it. But yeah, that that so sad list. But the list continues outside of the parent. No, no, hold on. But uh, yeah, the Frederick <laughs> Douglass one, I have no idea. Yeah, could not find any reference to a Frederick Douglass memorial being removed or attacked. I couldn't find anything about it. I have no idea. Listeners, if you know what it was, tell us. Yeah, let us know, please, please, because I was unable to figure that out. Uh, continuing the list, Mark Twain. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. That book with the N-word in it a lot? Is that what he's referring to? I have to assume. Yeah, it is. Uh, William Shakespeare. I... Wh- wh- I don't. Maybe they think Othello maybe is racist? blackface. Maybe blackface Othello. Yeah. I think maybe they're referring to people not wanting blackface Othello maybe. anymore. Possibly, Mr. Potato Head on sure. the same list. Absolutely on the same level. Uh, Mr. Potato Head is as important to me as the father of English literature. <laughs> Followed by Dr. Seuss. Yep. Oh, sorry. That's and- who I was talking about when I said the father of English literature. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then Disney cartoons sure. ad infinitum. Disney I cartoons. Can't fuck Disney cartoons there's, anymore. There's, like. no, I don't even think he's talking about that. Because that, you know, that. Oh, it's that probably was, like Song of the book. South, isn't it? That, that has to be it. Song of the South has yeah. to be. The racist fucking crows and Uncle Remus has to be yeah. what he's mad that we don't have anymore. I yeah. don't know. You really want to sit down with your grandchildren and watch Song of the South? This is my favorite. Oh, God. Have you seen that? I remember seeing it. Yeah. I mean, I saw it when I was a kid and have not watched it since, which feels like the right call. Not great. Really not. Like, the only thing good to come out of it was Splash Mountain. And even that's iffy. Oh, God. But anyways, apparently they're also going over past social media posts uh, for, quote, Early indications of insufficient fealty to the present-day Marxist hegemony. Mm, yes, the Marxist. He- if it's a hegemony, then it's popular. Again, once again, <laughs> I like. I guess so. <laughs> really, it's it's we're finding n words that people used in old uh, old Facebook posts. That's yeah. that's what that's all about. There finding racial slurs. But then, of course, we learn, as we've learned from every writer, Marxism, it's actually the problem. Millions of deaths, blah, blah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. All the blah, usual blah, stuff blah, blah, we've blah. heard a, a thousand times. A thousand, thousand times. times. And this is where I realized that this is going to be another frustrating book where the author unironically pretends that Marxism is centrist Democrats. Yep. And like, he does. We'll get to that he, later, but he does exactly that. He absolutely does. But then, Benedict, we got a page that made your head explode. Oh, yeah, it did. I made <laughs> I made some noises when we got to this page. I, I promise you that. Um, do you want me to per- just read it? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So he, he says all that. Marxist warfare, rhetoric, Democrats, blah, 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 blah. So then he, he goes on to try and uh, disprove Marx uh, yeah. in a single, a single paragraph. And he says, and I quote. Heavy lift. Yeah. Marx's insistence that labor alone creates value is also incorrect. If that were the case, this is the real fucking doozy. If that were the case, the third world would not be the third world. It would be flourishing. (laughs) Kevin, I cannot even begin to approach. Yeah, that's that's a bad sentence, man. That's a bad (laughs) sentence. (laughs) They work really hard over there, but they just don't. They haven't figured out how to monetize it yet. Look, look, look. So pay no attention to the fact that when we left over there, everything was on fire, and we took the fire extinguishers. Yeah, their fault. Forced them to do our labor at a reduced price so that we could break the back of our unions in our own country. Uh Yeah. Uh And but it's, it's it really because labor doesn't pay. create value. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. Exactly. No, labor does create the value, but then it's exploited by the capitalists. That's <laughs> literally the whole point. The 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 profit margin by the capitalist. Oh, Kevin, I I'm gonna pop a vein. Like yes, people outsourced outsource jobs to the to other countries i'm not even going to say the third world because that's an, an insulting fucking thing to oh, say oh the one that is nor was america's early economic success built on imperialism or colonialism yeah that one absolutely fucking bizarre um just not acknowledging mass genocide of, of native americans in any way uh, anyway so anyway uh maybe read colonialism despite the fact that america was originally a colony yeah wow you really went a bit a little mark levin there <laughs> really really i'm, try, I'm trying to work on my yelling range i feel yeah. like it's needed anyway but, that but yes yeah, no hold on and, and then once again he's like 
ah, see, Marx was wrong. And it's just like, well, yeah, something that was written 200 years ago before the like mass onset of the Industrial Revolution maybe has some things that didn't quite hold up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like the gist is pretty much still there. Yeah, and it has has some points. Mm-hmm. Had some points. Yeah, and that's and, why we keep working on it. Well, and that's another thing too. Is also like, okay, so uh, the left is not a monolith. Uh, not at all. Marx was not the only figure in the history of leftism no. or caring about you know economic uh, classes, things Engels, like that. For one. <laughs> <laughs> well, more to the point, there are many before him, and there yeah, were many and, after him, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. everything is not Marxism. Right, it's like saying that everything uh, the right talks about is all Goldwaterism. Yeah, That's I mean, it's, it's not useful true. shorthand though. But like, I get, I get what they're doing with that, and it's also easy to have a boogeyman. Sure, um, sure, absolutely. But, I mean, yeah. that's what they really want. And then he has a large excerpt from one of his own previous books, *Ameritopia*, which is, I believe, the subject of that Friedersdorf article that I oh, tweeted before out. You, before you do that, can we just can I read this paragraph uh, mm-hmm. where he says? Yeah. Uh, labor alone does not determine the value of a product or service. Yeah, okay. Obviously, it contributes to it. However, consumers play a major role, too. They create the demand, <laughs> and depending on the demand, business and labor provide the supply. Okay, fine. In other words, capitalism caters to desires and needs of the masses. Also, profit does not create worker exploitation, as Marx insisted. On the contrary, it makes possible increased worker pay, benefits, security, and job opportunities. Kevin, how common do you think that is compared <laughs> to profit-taking by large companies? I think there's a lot of rent-seeking behavior. Mm, I think yep. there's a lot of a lot of profit-taking, a lot of rent-seeking. Yep, yep, I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. All right, cool. Just wanted to get that out there. Just yep, wanted to see yep, how yep, we yep, felt yep. about that. Yeah, yep, okay, yep, cool, yep, cool, cool, yep, cool. Yep, But then he goes on to quote his own book. Um, and the only thing of note for me in that, because it's just about uh, Marxists are utopians, despite the fact that Marx himself was very critical of utopian everything. socialists Literally of his own time. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, he... he Pretends that all Marxists are utopians. Mm-hmm. and uh, Not true at all. In fact, it was the Catholics that were utopians. But there's also originally. an ellipsis in the middle of his own oh, quote. Fun. I from didn't it. notice that. I love to pick I... up on an ellipsis. Look, I didn't bother to go look into it and, and figure out whether he's bullshitting with that ellipsis. Because, But with all of our authors, I generally do assume if there's an ellipsis, it was an intentional mm-hmm. act of bullshit that there's an ellipsis in there. I just wanted to point that out because I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to treat him any differently than I do any of the other assholes that we do. But this is also the point in this chapter, five pages in, when I realized, holy shit, this chapter is not an outline for this book. No. Like, which is typically what you would do with a first chapter like this, which is uh, much shorter than the rest. Example. It's an introduction. And as lawyers, we are taught to provide outlines in our yeah, in, for in this as college students it's in this essay i will like right right and, and and we're taught in legal writing basically every section you should basically start with i'm gonna hit on x y and z yeah. because yada, yada, because yada. people have short attention spans but that's not you what have this, to is really, all. This, no. this first chapter is just a ramble about yeah, how everything is marxism is, i have some things to say <laughs> And it's completely disconnected from the rest of the book, mm-hmm. just based on looking at you know what the rest, the rest of the chapters are about. He actually says here, quote, So too does there, there being, you know, the, I guess the Marx, he's unclear about who they are. The Democratic Party is who he brings up before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he says, Indeed, the economic and cultural agenda driven by President Joe Biden and the ah, Democratic yes. Party provide Marxist ample examples of this ideology, meaning Marxism, mm-hmm. and behavior at work. They include massive deficit spending, confiscatory taxation, and the regulation of all things large and small, M-dash, drenched 
in Marxist class warfare propaganda, Mm. and a slew of executive orders claiming to end numerous historical and cultural injustices. Benedict, Socialist Joe Mm. has made an appearance. That's that's what we call him. (laughs) Oh, oh, Marxist Joe. (laughs) I have a vivid memory of being at a uh, restaurant in Washington, D.C., uh, I believe this was in between my first and second years of law school, right after the end of the first year of law school, with my dad and my, my mom in a restaurant in Washington, D.C. I think there were some other people there who were uh, union representatives because mm. uh, my dad my dad owns a construction company, and so he meets with a lot of union people. Uh, and my dad threw out, well, you know, Joe Biden's the only one they could put up who would beat Trump because he's the only one who's not a socialist. Uh-huh. I also have vivid memory of a few weeks ago of my dad calling Joe Biden a socialist. Funny uh, that. At my, my little brother's wedding. Funny how the messaging switches. Things switch because nothing means anything. He uh-huh. continues, though. Quote, So too does their demand for absolute one-party control over the body politic through various extra-constitutional schemes and other means, as Marxism does not tolerate the competition of ideas or political parties. These efforts include changing the voting system to ensure this, this Democratic Party control okay. for decades. Okay, so first of all, how? I, I, again, there's always I always want oh, them to oh. go a step further. Mm. So, uh, so mm-hmm. what they yeah. mean is allowing the popular vote to determine the presidency means Republicans will forever lose, right. Marx, and we Marxist acknowledge control. that. Marx, Marx, yeah, you, well, no, but, but it's control. it's an acknowledgement that they don't think they can win the popular vote. Right, well, he, that's all, but know. he doesn't say that out no, loud. But that's because what of course means. he can't. Yeah, 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 but that's what he means. Well, he continues, which has as its purpose the eradication of the Republican Party mm-hmm. and political competition. Which no, that would not. Mm-hmm. It would force the Republican Party to moderate in mm-hmm. order to attract more of the people it's driven away yeah, for decades. Exactly. That which to Mark Levin would be destruction of the republican party mm-hmm. like that that would be because if they weren't if they aren't extremists what are they they're nothing continuing quote well okay, attempting... extreme extremism in the face of whatever the fuck the quote was yeah uh continuing attempting to eliminate the senate i i got it i, I know you're referencing I know. goldwater but I we know. recorded that last episode and people aren't going to get the throwback and it's they will not, they'll get it it's not gonna work it's not gonna work like that uh uh Attempting to eliminate the Senate filibuster rule so all manner of laws can be imposed on the country to allow without effective s- deliberation s- or challenge. Simple majority rule. <laughs> wow. Not even simple majority rule, really, because it's still, uh, there's going to be, as we've seen, differences between the Democrats that yeah, require I know, them to. But it does, it does require I, simple, it, it is simple majority sure, rule. Sure, right? technically fine. Uh, if that simple majority controls all three branches yeah, of government, right? Exactly. That sort of simple majority, yeah, fine, fine. Um, threatening to breach separation of powers and judicial independence by plotting to pack the Supreme Court with like-minded ideologues. So the re- Republican plan for yeah. ever. Also, I I like doing the I like the fact that we're we're less of a hot take factory than uh, some podcasts. In that we're not as reactive because I love. Benedict, to what see... are you talking about? We have a hot take section That's on true. this show. That's true, but I love <laughs> I love to see how these things age because yeah. like you know this was written like what like six months ago, and then you're just yep. like none of this even is is oh, yeah. like consistent with what's happening now mm-hmm. at all. It's it's always great. I mean, like we how many times have we seen someone like uh, fucking Glenn Beck citing the stupid fucking book that was Demo- uh, Democrats and Hillary Clinton or De- Hillary Clinton runs the Democratic Party has complete control. She's going to be elected in two thousand eight because she's in, yeah. right. And then like we watched it, uh, and he was 
he was citing that book in 2010. Yeah. Two years after that uh, entire premise had failed completely. Uh-huh. So, but we see, yeah, we see that a lot. And I, I do enjoy it just as much as you do. Continuing. Planning to add Democratic seats to the Senate to ensure its control over that body. Again, he's talking about Puerto Rico and D.C. Simply yep. try and win those Senate seats. Like, sure, if, yeah. you, if you, they don't have to be Democratic seats. Like, uh, you could win those seats. You just think that, like, minorities won't vote for the Republican Party, which is better, probably I correct think, right now. I think it comes down to these last two, which are related to all the preceding, which is, quote, Using tens of billions in taxpayer funds to subsidize and strengthen core parts of the Democratic Party base, such as unions and political mm. activists. Oh, how dare they strengthen and unions. And probably Lovin's most important and uh, the one he cares about the most, and facilitating massive illegal immigration, mm. the purpose of which is to, among other things, alter the nation's demographics and eventually add significantly to the pro-Democratic Party voting base. That's the key That's one. That's, there you go. We that one it. right there, probably more important than a lot of the rest of what he was talking about yeah. there. Yeah. And also... I just so badly want Levin to meet an actual leftist, yeah. like an like a fucking someone like there are people who who I follow on Twitter and you know tweet at and have fun with who are actual leftists, like you know pro Antifa and you know hate fucking Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi, mm. like the imagination of Mark Levin so limited. Mainstream Democrats are fucking leftist Marxists uh-huh. when. The actual leftists hate the same people that Mark Levin does for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. It's always so, it's so amazing to me that they they never managed to come across that. But he continues in a sentence I really loved. These actions and designs, among others, are evidence of an autocratic, power-hungry ideological movement that rejects political and traditional comedy and seeks to permanently crush its opposition and emerge as the sole political and governmental power. Ladies and gentlemen, the GOP. Ladies and gentlemen, video footage of January 6th. (sighs) Followed by, he follows that with, ah, this one. This one actually drove me nuts. The Democratic Party, aligned with its surrogates in the media, academia, and the bureaucratic leviathan, colluded to discredit and cripple Trump's presidency and destroy him personally by unleashing an onslaught of slanders, conspiracy theories, criminal and congressional investigations, impeachments, and coup attempts. I also Ladies love and it. gentlemen, I love it. the actual coup attempt of January 6th. I also love it when he's like, they always say this, where like, um, whenever they're talking about Trump, which he did just before the sentence that you read, yeah. Yeah. and he, sa- he said Donald Trump and his tens of millions of supporters. Who are far like, fewer than the tens of millions yeah, who exactly. voted the other one. About yeah. 10 million fewer supporters <laughs> than Joe Biden had. So like, Right. And he says that, that the, their opposition to those people is explained by this, mean, this want to be the sole power and blah, blah. And it's like, no, opposition to Donald Trump and his voters is not because we want to be autocratic or the sole power. It's because you're bad people with bad ideas and we have much better ideas because your ideas consist entirely of worship Donald Trump and have the government do nothing. Those are bad ideas. And so I, you know, he just, he can't understand. And they can't, it's not that they don't understand. It's that they can't recognize, like Mm -hmm. you said, with the, the majoritarian thing, they can't recognize that the other side has actual political ideologies beyond hate and control. Yeah. Like they, they can't recognize that because it just doesn't work. Like, I recognize that the right has ideologies beyond 
own the libs. They're just bad ideologies because mm-hmm. they boil down to worship Donald Trump and do nothing. And, and pro- Christian extremists. no, no right? policy platform for right. the next elections because we don't want to be criticized. Jesus Christ. But he continues about, again, the attempt to, to delegitimize the opposition. He says, quote, is further evidenced by Biden's reckless racial rhetoric, rhetoric in accusing Republicans in Georgia of instituting Jim Crow laws to prevent black citizens from voting. A contemptible lie intempted, attempted to or intended to upset minorities and turn them against the Republican Party. Although weaponizing race is not new to the Democratic Party, oh. given its historic pedigree from supporting slavery to segregation. Oh my God, it's the hits. It's just the hits. We've gotten this all before. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. And then there's a bunch of screeching about the uh, Black Lives Matter protests of 2020 yeah. um, and 2019. And I, I just didn't give a shit about it. He calls them all Marxists, of course. Yeah. Uh, they're they're Marxist some groups. Are, to be fair. So, like, sure, there's some, some, there's some Marxists yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, d- those, uh, you know, it, it happens, but they're not the majority of them. And he goes back to the, uh, all the Democrats, they called them peaceful they called them all peaceful, and yeah, the majority of people were peaceful, and many Democrats did have long, extended discussions, and certainly many of us, I think, on the left, particularly the left wing of the Democratic Party, did have discussions. You and I had discussions on this program about uh, how we, we felt about those protests and the fact that, yes, there are people getting violent, uh, and some of that is justified, some of that is not justified, uh, but this is a valid cause that they're supporting, and that is much different than, as the right has tried to compare it to, the fucking January 6th insurrection, mm-hmm. uh, a fucking bunch of whiny crybabies uh, breaking into Congress and attempting to hang Mike Pence <laughs> yeah. because attempting they're mad. murder members of Congress. They're mad that other people aren't playing along with their obvious bullshit lies. Like, that. there's, there's no fucking similarities between those two. You have to look at the causes in order to even, even think about them. But then he says, Benedict... The truth is that the interests of the Democratic Party come before those of the country, and allegiance to the party is more important than fidelity to the country. Once again, January fucking 6th, you asshole. Mm. It It holds these characteristics in common with other autocratic and communist parties throughout the world. The implication from my reading of that sentence, Benedict, is that the Democratic Party is a Marxist party. Yeah, that's, that's just how grammar works. That's what yeah. that sentence says. I well, I, he he says he he yes, that, that's certainly the implication. I I don't know how to work with this. I can't take this seriously. Yeah, it's a, yeah. holds these characteristics in common with other autocratic and communist parties throughout the world. Yeah. Oh, and then he tries to go into why he thinks that uh, people find Marxism appealing. And he gives several reasons. He says, first, people want to belong to groups. Sure. Being part of a group is fun. That's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not why people, uh, you know, again, I have to point out that the things he's calling Marxism aren't actually Marxism. Marxism uh, But, you know, it's not why people are, you know, vaguely to the left or, you know, support groups like Black Lives Matter. That's because police are murdering people. That's why people Mm -hmm. support Black Lives Matter. (laughs) But no, it's, it's, yeah, it's because people want to be part of groups. Second is the class warfare construct. Because they're encouraged, the Marxism's adherents, he says, and would-be followers, are encouraged to view themselves and the groups with which they identify as oppressed. That is, the victims. Mm -hmm. And then he says one of the funniest things I've ever read. 
which is, quote, and the individuals who make up opposing or non-conforming groups are collectively dehumanized, condemned, and loathed as the enemy. Again, this is a trait of American Marxism and the Democratic Party. Of course, this formulation is especially seductive to the malcontented, disenchanted, disaffected, and dissatisfied. For them, into, oh wait, you're doing exactly what you said in the previous sentence? Yeah. Also, Go again, who are these people? Who are the malcontents? Why are they malcontents? Why, you know why, the why are they disaffected? Why are they downtrodden? Why are they disenchanted? Why are they dissatisfied? Benedict. What can we do to fix that? Engage no. with your subjects, please. I'm no, begging. No, 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 no. The vagueness of that phrase is the point because that allows the reader to attach it to whatever group to they hate group the most. Hate, yeah. You're right. That's, that's the entire point. Just calling them malcontents. That's that's why he does it. There's it's yeah, very intentional. You're right, and it's the, it's the individualism bullshit, isn't it? But it's just it's it's so annoying and transparent. Like yeah, and he he does talk a lot about he does he uses that word individualism a bunch yeah. in here, right? Carrying on it's the, the legacy of Buckley. Stuff. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and he says that you know those who are successful and happy, they're the ones who are tormented and targeted, which I'm assuming he includes himself among that group who are content and happy. Yeah. I have listened to this man talk. He is neither content nor happy. I 100% yeah, guarantee true. you that. But he doesn't at all wrestle with why people might be unhappy. No, no, he doesn't want to. Because, again, he is already at this point denied that capitalism creates any inequality, any issues whatsoever. It's a perfect system. The father, the founding fathers of the country came up with it in uh, 1776. And don't you dare ever question. What's funny is they didn't even like capitalism didn't really exist in its modern form until the American no. until, until the Industrial Revolution. Sure. And even after that, it didn't really exist no, yeah. until like you. There's a, a good case to be made that, in fact, the regulation of our financial markets was the most important step uh, in creating markets that could be relied upon for businesses to be able to carry out the sort sure, of activities that sure, they do. Sure, but, but, but the, the capitalism is really, like, at the earliest, an industrial revolution thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. But he continues, quote, Hence, the allegedly oppressed become the real oppressors and wield substantial power throughout society and the culture despite their limited appeal and smaller numbers. Goes back to what you're saying, mm -hmm. pretending that the opposition is small, even though he would call the entire Democratic Party and all of its voters part of that Marxist group, and they unquestionably outnumber Levin, Levin and all of his people. Hand wave, don't pay any attention to any of that. We don't want to have to talk about it. He then continues, this also explains, but only in part, the cowardice of corporatists, professional athletes, broadcasters, artists, actors, writers, and journalists, who, in the face of such tumult, buckle under the pressure, seek to avoid the mob's notice through various forms of appeasement and capitulation, and in some cases, participate in their own transfiguration and even disembowelment. Yeah, people. Just, just, just a great bit of hyperbole there. And mm -hmm. then, Benedict... We get a quote from a guy who finally he gave me something to look into and I was so happy because uh, he talks of uh, the, the elites, the, you know, we all know the, the right, the, the left, they're all a bunch of elites. That's what they all are. And they hate the country. The elites hate our country so much. Uh -huh. The can ruling I, elites. Can I just point out um, before you go to Patton Oswald in your, mm -hmm. uh, in your vocal fry. Sure. Um, let's, let's just say that this quote is taken from Ted McAllister and the essay is thus always to bad elites. And mm -hmm. you know, I know that, you know, 
where that is from. Six Semper Bad Elites. Six yeah. Semper Bad Elites. Six Semper Tyrannis, which is a quote of John Wilkes Booth after he <laughs> shot Lincoln in the head at the theater. Himself quoting Brutus. But... Yeah. That's not a great thing to be quoting because no, that implies no, that you want to kill all the elites. No, it's not better. But uh, I mean, you've maybe read this guy this... openly does want to kill all the elites. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't look into him. You've read the two paragraphs or three that are mm-hmm. quoted there from him. And it's a bunch of rambly nonsense. Absolutely bullshit. bizarre. Like really today, bizarre. we have a very different elite than America did in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. The deepest fact of our time is that America has had a, has a bad elite, a mendacious one, whose skills, values, goals, tastes, and types yeah, of knowledge dude, are hostile yeah, to our nation's uh, inherent yeah, you, cultures. You understand. Every, the listeners yeah. get it. They're smart people. But Ted McAllister, Benedict, is a much more interesting thing. Ted McAllister is a far-right Christian fundamentalist whack job uh, who has an endowed position at Pepperdine University. Because, of course, there's no way in hell he could get a position at a university like Pepperdine on his own unless a bunch of Christian fascist money came in and provided a position for him to teach. Um, He's a very boring guy. He just spends his time engaging in polemics. (laughs) There's some fun quotes about him on Rape My Professor. Uh, People who... who, uh, Both people, you know, the right-wing fascists who enjoy him and the people who are like this dude's fucking nuts uh there's some fun stuff on there but also um he uh i found the most important thing about him mm-hmm. he appeared on a youtube podcast uh, uh called health made radio oh, which cool. is put out by the carl felt center uh-huh and it's just it, it's critical race theory it's just oh watch this learn why critical race theory is evil it's the, you know, it, it's Chris Rufo bullshit. He's, uh-huh. He wants to be Chris Rufo. He's just less successful. Uh, but the more important thing, Benedict, is the Carl Feld Center. The Carl Feld Center um, is an alternative medicine bullshit clinic by a naturopath that offers such things on its website as photodynamic therapy. Okay. That's, that they shine lights on you. Sure. They, they shine lights on you. Is that Nutritional the, IVs. Is that, was that the thing that Trump was touting when he was like, shine lights uh, on COVID? Wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they, of course, have peptide therapy, waste, weight loss therapy. Of course, you got to have that. Anti-aging and regenerative medicine. Okay. This is very yeah. boring. Get to the good stuff or let's move Prayer on. Prayer and spiritual res- support. Mm-hmm. Of course, what you want on a doctor's website. And then the P-Shot. Okay. They have the P-Shot. The P-Shot. Or the priapus shot. Okay. It's a it's a naturopath direct erectile dysfunction treatment that apparently cool. doesn't work very well. Right. <laughs> but Benedict. So this is on their website, the Carl Felt Center website. It's also on YouTube. And on YouTube, it has 121 views. This critical race theory bullshit interview they did. Okay. There is a total of one comment. One okay. comment listed on this website by a guy. I'm not gonna say his screen name on YouTube, but the comment is what does a nationwide movement blaming their troubles on an entire race have to do with natural health? That's a great question. It's <laughs> a great question. And that to me, because there's a whole intersection of weirdo right-wing crypto-fascist and weirdo right-wing natural health That's gurus. True. We have not had time to talk about on this program, and we're going to have to talk about we it at some, at some point. point. Yep. That's true. It's so much fun. But anyways, Bennett, he has a bullshit quote from this guy, Ted McAllister, who's a big nobody, who I don't really care about, who's just, it, other, it literally is just screeching. The, thus, thus always to bad elites, which is a deliberately yeah. uh, provocative title, let's say. 
But it's just screeching about the elite. Again, he doesn't name the elites. It's just the elites want this. The elites want that. It's all about power. Name they one. hate. Name they one. hate free speech. Right. Name an album. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then you know, uh, the eleven goes in and says, "Well, you know, there's also a bunch of other people. There are those in the know, mm-hmm. as you know, people who Insiders. know what's going on. Uh, and then there are a bunch of people who don't know what's up. And these, these are the useful idiots mm-hmm. that the Marxists rely on. That's." That's what it's all about. And the purpose, Ben, finally, we get to what the purpose is. Why he's writing this book, which contains nothing significantly different from any of his previous books or any book yeah. ever written by and any right-winger is, in the I last mean, this, 10 this years. Is, you texted me and said this is um, non-decor conspiracy. This this little bit is very Yes, yes, absolutely. He says, quote, The purpose of this book is to awaken the millions of patriotic Americans who love their country, freedom, and family, to the reality of Marxism's rapidly spreading influence throughout our nation. What is occurring in our country is not a temporary fad or passing event. American Marxism exists. It is here and now, and indeed, it is pervasive. And its multitude of hybrid but often interlocking movements are actively working to destroy our society and culture and overthrow the country as we know it. This is very silly. It's, you know, okay, your purpose is to awaken. I like, okay, if none dare call it conspiracy didn't do it, you're not going to fucking do it. Yeah. Every right, far none dare right call it conspiracy had some beautiful charts. And <laughs> I haven't seen a single chart so far. The right has been screaming about everyone, not them, is a commie for my entire lifetime. I am mm-hmm. 30 years old. You're not going to wake anybody up who hasn't already heard Sean Hannity or Glenn Beck or Rush Limbaugh or anyone else saying the same exact bullshit you're Yeah, the irony book. of this is it probably pushes people more towards actual communism. Because the the staff, is, well, genuinely, because people are like, well, like they're going to call us communists anyway. We may as well try and do some bigger picture stuff. Like. Sure, why not? Why not? But then Benedict, he says the scariest thing I think we've read uh, so far in, in our lives, which is, quote, Although this is the longest book I have written, there is much more to be said about this subject. Therefore, I anticipate writing a second oh, volume. No. Benedict! We will not be doing the second volume if it ever comes out. We might. Let's see how Although, it goes. Although, he sort of has to. I mean, he sold a million copies of this book. Yeah. He, I, I think you have to. Although, he would probably recognize, eh, there's no way the second volume would sell as well. And it might look bad if I write a book that, that's much worse than this one. Uh, he might he might not end up well, doing we'll that see. long. Honestly, we'll this, see. Is, this is the most fun I've had doing one of these for a while. So Right? Because it's so wacky. Yeah. But... He finishes, and I'm going to read the last um, paragraph and a half or so, which is, quote, We must rise to the challenge, as did our founding fathers when they confronted the most powerful force on Earth, the British Empire, and defeated it. I don't know if it's debatable whether the British Empire was the most powerful force on Earth at the time, I would say. France, Spain, both pretty powerful forces. You keep on a downplay on how much we kicked your ass. Uh, Admittedly! In numerous ways, so I am today's... an American citizen. <laughs> Admittedly, which means you hate I yourself. Too, I Man, too conquered the British Empire. <laughs> Admittedly, in numerous ways, today's threat is more Byzantine, as it now inhabits most of our institutions and menaces from within, making engagement difficult and complicated. Nonetheless, I fervently believe America as we know it will be forever lost if we do not prevail. 
I closed my book, Liberty and Tyranny, which was published a short 12 years ago, self-citing again, with President Ronald Reagan's fateful and prescient observation, which compels our attention especially now, for it is more imperative than ever. Again, this observation probably uh, approved by a weirdo uh, star person. What do you call those? Is it astrologer or astronomer? I always mix them up. I'm going to let you guess. Astrologer. That's the one. That's right. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and... An- you see, I'm it's doing a little a mix. Trumpy. I'm did, doing a mix a between Trump, Trump, Nixon, and Reagan. Yeah, That's the it was, closest I, it I can get. It sounded like Reagan to start with, and yeah. then you lost it, and it went a little Trumpy. Reagan smash! Uh, it must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. <laughs> Followed by Benedict, the true last sentence of this chapter. Amazing. Patriots of America, unite! Absolutely, workers <laughs> of the world, unite. It's so funny. So do you love Marx or do you hate him? Yeah, Come on. Absolutely, admitting that Marx had some fire bars. At absolutely! Least, right? <laughs> absolutely! So Benedict, god damn... I don't know. I mean, I, we've texted a bunch about this book. More, in the last more about days. this than any other book we've read, I think. I think we are both so excited for this book yeah, because it is a pile of crazy. And it, it's, oh my God, there's so many things looking forward that as I've skimmed through that just make my eyes light up and make me so happy uh-huh. that we found something this fucking nuts. I'm, I'm really, really fucking excited for it. So, yeah, me too. That's it. Um, thank you all for listening hope you enjoyed this week's show and if you uh, just can't get enough of us remember you can go to patreon.com forward slash nygbc uh we have a new patron only bonus episode up there now of course and become a patron for as little as two dollars an episode for patron only episodes shout outs on the show early releases of our episodes and more as always we have to give a shout out to our wonderful and amazing patrons stefan shannon heilman heilman Benedict is correcting me. We got we got your message, and I'm trying. It's just I said it wrong the first time, and it's going to take me like <laughs> six weeks to finally start saying it right. Utah Outcasts, Pause, Brent Lee, David Garrido, Dave Barwick, Charles Trulier, Dodd Snow, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Ellie Bartlett, Lisa, Tarn Somerville Fletcher, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, C. David, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taro Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and George Soros' baby boy, Balls Watterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. <laughs> That's you. it for this week's show. Till next time, Daisy. Goodbye. Bye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.